What's going on, Renaissance? Say a quick word of prayer. Father, as we uh, gather here today uh, to hear from your word, uh, God, I, I pray that you would speak to us in, in, in a peculiar and particular way, uh, God, that we would have uh, ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive. Uh, God, there's so many things, so many distractions that are going on in our, in our world, in our, in our week, in our personal lives. And God, I, I just pray that you would help us to not have the distractions that we can focus in and hear from you. These things we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what's up, Renaissance? My name is Jordan. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I love this time of year. It's actually one of my favorite times. Uh, 125th Street is lit up. Uh, there's Christmas parties going on all over the place. Uh, shameless plug alert, our Christmas party is this Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you don't make it to that, uh, I can't promise you what your eternal security will be. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic time. Uh, one of the things I love most about this community is that there's a, a great group of really cool people. And I, I hear that over and over and over again, that, man, I walked in the door and people were just friendly and they were nice. Uh, and you'll get a chance to meet more people and the people that you already know. You'll get a chance to, to, to go in a photo booth and uh, have a memory with them. Once you do a photo booth with somebody, your life is never the same <laughs> after that. Right, but this, this season is also really, really great for me for another reason. It is finally appropriate for me to take out my Mariah Carey Christmas album <laughs> and, go, and go hard. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Classic. Classic, I was arguing with people on Twitter this week about Mariah Carey Christmas versus the Luther Vandross Christmas. And listen, Tia, you're wrong, it's cool. Mariah Carey Christmas, easily top five album of all time, De definitely <laughs> the best uh, Christmas album. But I, I, I'm starting out kind of joking a little bit, uh, but this week, uh, actually last week, started off a season in the Christian calendar that a lot of people call Advent. And uh, whether or not you've ever heard the word before, Advent, uh, it actually marks a pretty uh, dark time in the history of people. See, Advent is a time that Christians come together to, to uh, celebrate um, and commemorate the coming of Jesus. And if you were to uh, read in your Bibles, uh, there's two big testaments. There's the Old Testament and then there's the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, you have a, a ton of stories uh, about great men and women of faith, but each story kind of ends somewhat in an incomplete fashion. And each story is, is pointing to a day when a Messiah comes and fulfills everything that the ancient Israelites needed and wanted. And in the, uh, the last book of the Old Testament, you have this uh, prophet named Malachi, and Malachi prophesies, surely a day is coming. And in between uh, Malachi's prophecy, if you were to turn too fast in your Bible or swipe too far to the left uh, on your iPhone, uh, you would go right from Malachi to Matthew. And we would do it in a split second, but uh, in that time, it was a 400-year period where the ancient Israelites did not hear from God, where they prayed and they fasted and they sought God and they prayed and they prayed some more, and it felt like God was silent. See, Advent is a, is a hard time uh, as we commemorate uh, the coming of Jesus, whether it was in December or spring or any other time. But we celebrate and we pause and we, and we stop and reflect on Jesus' coming. And if we were to be perfectly honest, at a time like this, uh, it, you don't have to look far uh, to look and, and search for uh, opportunities to have doubt whether or not God hears our prayers. You don't have to look far. 
in your own personal life and in this country and in this city to doubt whether or not God is silent in our own lives. I get a lot of emails from people in the community uh, that, like myself, are again, uh, quite frankly, heartbroken by another grand jury decision to uh, not indict uh, Daniel Pantaleo in the killing of Eric Garner. Uh, now, it once again ripped my heart out my chest, and I don't say this to, uh, to establish uh, my personal views of, of what's going on, but it feels like a great deal of injustice and in the, in the justice that we're promised from God and seeing this new city and this new kingdom restored, this justice someday is certainly not justice today. And it feels like God is silent. Where are you? How is it that people are getting away with stuff? More and more people are, going, uh, are getting killed and their killers are going away unpunished. Now, whether or not this is your particular pain uh, is not my agenda. As a, as a very diverse congregation, both uh, ethnically and in thought, we have Democrats and Republicans and MSNBC watchers and Fox News watchers, right? <laughs> Dominicans and Puerto Ricans and everybody, everything you can imagine under the sun. But my hunch is whether or not you've been to church a million times or whether or not you're a Christ follower or if you're black or you're white, that there have been periods in your life where you've had to struggle with the thought that God is either uh, inattentive or uncooperative, or late. That there have been times in your life when you've had to struggle with the reality of God and you've had to sit through seasons where you were waiting because God felt like uh, he was inattentive to your prayers. That you were praying and praying and praying and you didn't hear any answers. That God was uncooperative with your prayer requests. That you want good things. Things that scripture tells you you should want and you still don't have them stability or relationships or, or a million other things in life that we can want, and guess what? You don't have it, and it feels like God is uncooperative. Or quite frankly, it feels like we can feel like God is late, that we've asked for this for so long, and God is showing up late to the party. Quick show of hands, how many of us have ever struggled with any of those things, that God is inattentive, uncooperative, or late? All right, so we're batting about 900%, almost, not everybody. <laughs> So we, we, we all struggle with this, but long periods of silence by God are a part of the history of the people of faith. Long periods of silence by God are a part of the history of the people of faith. Now, it's not just you uh, that has ever struggled with this thought. And if, you've ever, uh, if you raise your hand, then you are in, in great company. Because as a matter of fact, there was a man named John the Baptist uh, that, that feared the same things that we feared uh, and wrestled with the same feelings that God might have been inattentive or uncooperative or late in his life. Now, for a, a little history recap of John the Baptist, for those of you uh, in here who might not be too familiar with him, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, right? Not his play cousin either, like his real, <laughs> his real cousin. And John the Baptist was announcing to everybody that, yo, the Messiah is coming, uh, Jesus is coming, a man so amazing that I'm not even fit to hold his sandals, and he did amazing things. And Jesus gave him the greatest compliment of all time. Jesus said, of everybody that is born out of a woman, there is nobody greater than John the Baptist. That's a high compliment. And John the Baptist went on preaching and talking about Jesus and preparing the way for his coming. And eventually, John the Baptist got arrested, uh, not for anything he did wrong, but for speaking out against a corrupt king. And after he spoke up against the corrupt king, he was thrown in jail, and he waited. Days turned to weeks, turned to months, 
And as he waited, he started to grow restless like so many of us do in our periods when we feel like God is silent. And he called his disciples to come to him. And he says, uh, go to Jesus and ask him this question. Are you the one or should we look for another one? Because the way I'm feeling right now, it doesn't feel like you're on my side. It doesn't feel like God is hearing my prayers. It doesn't feel like me and God are cooperating. And it certainly does not feel like God is on time. And I think, to be perfectly honest, in in Advent, as we commemorate the coming of Jesus and we pause in this period of God's silence, we can be honest that we're asking ourselves that same question sometime. God, are you really the one or should we look for another solution? In periods where we're experiencing pain and frustration and silence from God, we ask ourselves, God, are you the one or should we look for another? Waiting is not easy. Waiting is certainly not easy. And Advent is a time that we look forward to God and wait, and we look forward to Christ as the sign that God will do exactly what he has promised to do. In the middle of silence, uh, well before there's been any conclusion, well before there's been any uh, thing that we can point to specifically as to God hearing our prayers or answering our prayers, Advent and in Advent we stop and we pause and we specifically point to Christ as our reminder, despite the silence, that God will do exactly what he has promised us to do. Now, the word Advent uh, basically means the arrival of an important person. Uh, it means the arrival of an important or notable person. And this guy, Jesus, was the most important person in the history of the world, right? And whether or not, you're probably thinking, all right, you're a pastor. Of course you're supposed to say that, right? You're not going to say that LeBron James is the most important person, especially after he turned the Knicks down, right? Like, <laughs> definitely not. But Jesus is so important that it's almost hard to fathom the world without him. It's almost hard to describe how important Jesus actually was to the world. And you don't even have to be a Christian uh, to, to go along with this. Think about it like this. What year is it? No, it's not. It's not the year 2014. They've been counting time for like the last 8,000 years. And when Jesus came, they stopped it like, nope, we're going to just discount everything that happened before. We're going to reset the clock now that Jesus came. That Jesus was so important that they literally started the calendar over just to commemorate his life. And there's been so many books written about Jesus. And uh, the, the book of uh, his teachings and his writings, I mean, in uh, the writings of his followers uh, called the New Testament, they're such a great seller that they are literally off the charts. That they don't even include the Bible of the New Testament in the best-selling list because the gap between the Bible and every other book is so great that it doesn't even make sense to put it on the chart. And uh, there's so many hospitals and schools named after Jesus and his followers. We have some in Harlem. We've got St. Luke's Hospital named after uh, the man named Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is the life and the teachings of Jesus. Jesus is the uh, most important and, and notable person to ever hit the scene. And, and here's, here's the kicker. In periods where you feel like God is silent, what your view of Jesus is will determine how you wait. What your view of Jesus is will determine your level of hope, how restless you feel, whether or not you'll continue to do good things expecting that God will honor them, or whether or not you'll feel like you're alone and abandoned and forsaken. Now, typical, typically in uh, December, we talk about uh, the coming of Jesus, and we're going to get to a little bit of that next week. It's going to be an amazing uh, conversation on the, uh, the arrival and, and how it came. But before we even get to that, I, I really want us to take a look at why Jesus came. 
And if we understand that, if we understand why Jesus came and that he came, uh, in our periods of silence and, and waiting, we'll be able to have hope. We'll be able to wait with hope and expectation, trusting that God is good and that God is with us. So who is Jesus and why did he come? Why can I have confidence about my life? And what does that change about the craziness that's going on? Now, there's a book in the Bible that answers all of those questions, and it comes through uh, in Colossians. Uh, and just a little history about the city of Coloss. Uh, it was a pretty rich city. It was like the, uh, the Tribeca of the ancient Middle East. Um, and there was a, a bunch of different groups in the area. There was uh, followers of Christ, and then there were um, these people called the Gnostics. Uh, that's spelled with a G, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. And there was also another group of people called the Judaizers. Now, the Gnostics uh, believed that everything uh, that existed in matter form was evil, right? So that flesh was evil. And if you can see it, if you can smell it, then it was evil. Which leads me to believe, first and foremost, that the Gnostics never had bacon. Because if they did, they would have recanted all of their belief that everything is evil, and they would have enjoyed a slice or two. But they believed that everything uh, that, that existed was evil, so they had a really big problem with uh, the notion of God coming to earth. Because how could the divine inhabit our space since everything here is evil? And God has to be super spiritual, up in the skies, uh, looking down on us from heaven. Now, the other group were the Judaizers, and the Judaizers uh, were kind of like the opposite of the Gnostics. Uh, they were uh, very, very strict on, on Jewish law. Now, they wanted to follow Jesus, but they also wanted to make sure you washed your hands a certain way and you put certain things on your head before you prayed and you did everything, uh, you crossed off a whole bunch of rules, uh, and they thought that following Jesus was all about rules, 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 rules. And they had a hard time accepting uh, that Jesus came and, and uh, established uh, life with God for us because they believed that it was us that had to work to get God, not that God would come down to us. So in this uh, first century uh, church, Paul writes this letter. And Paul writes this letter, and he writes these, these verses in Colossians 1, uh, 12 through 14. He says, In giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And in this very short paragraph, uh, Paul explains exactly why Jesus came. Uh, he explains exactly why Jesus came. And the first reason that Jesus came is to qualify us. So in the scripture we see it says, uh, giving joyful thanks to God the Father who has qualified you. Now, everybody in here has at some point probably done, uh, except for the teenagers, you'll get a chance to do it in a couple years and you're going to hate it, um, is look for an apartment, Right? One of the worst experiences you can have, you got to show up with like your taxes from 1992 before you were born. You have to show them proof, birth certificates and fingerprints and just they blood type and everything. They want everything. And the worst thing is uh, they, they ask all of these questions because they want to make sure that you are qualified to rent that apartment. Right. No landlord wants to put you in the building if you can't afford the rent or if you can't uh, if you're going to make uh, a mess or if you're going to make too much noise. And they go through a long, tedious process to qualify you. But eventually, uh, you'll hear the sweetest words that you'll ever hear, and that is, the apartment is yours, and that you have been qualified for the apartment. 
And you can take the keys, and you can go upstairs, kick your feet up, and relax. See, what Paul is saying here to us in Scripture is this, that Jesus has qualified us. Jesus has said that you are mine, you are mine, she is mine, he is mine. And in a culture that is so obsessed with earning a name for ourselves, in a culture that is so obsessed with, uh, with uh, losing more weight or getting more money or, or doing certain things just to kind of have a value and an identity, Jesus has already qualified us. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And if in a time where you feel like God might be silent, in a time where you feel like God is not answering your prayers, uh, one of the first things we wonder is, man, maybe I need to do more things and more things and more things and more things so that God will accept me. Then he'll answer my prayers. Brothers and sisters, that is not the way God operates. You are already qualified. God already invites you to the table with him. And if, if God is silent in your life right now, it is not because uh, you have to do more things to add up to, to some magical list in the sky somewhere. Jesus has qualified us. It is by grace you have been saved. It is a gift. Nobody earns it. We are qualified by God. God is not transactional. We are qualified by the blood of Christ. That's why we come. That's why you don't have to worry if you're welcome at the table of God. We are. Secondly, as we see in Colossians uh, verse 13, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Second reason that Jesus came was to rescue us. So one, he came to qualify us. Secondly, he, came, he comes to rescue us. And this is probably the one that most of us have a, a difficulty either acknowledging or accepting. And uh, depending on where you're coming from, what your faith background is, uh, this might be the most offensive one uh, to you. Most of us think that we're pretty good on our own and we just need a little bit, uh, a little bit extra. We need a little bit of icing to get, on, to get over the top. Years ago, I had an Acura Vigor. It had 250,000 miles on it. Uh, paint was chipping. It was in terrible shape. But it went from point A to point B. So finally, I uh, uh, was driving around one day. And every time I, I would stop, I would notice that there would be a couple of drops of oil on the ground. So you know, every time I would go out, I would have to carry oil in my car because the car was leaking oil for no really big reason that I understood. And eventually, I tried to put different types of oil in the car. I tried different types of like, uh, glues and stuff to seal it off uh, by pouring stuff down the engine. And attempt after attempt, I realized that nothing was working. And eventually, I had to get a brand new engine. Now, I, I think what most of us do is like what I did with my car. We, we try a bunch of other stuff to improve ourselves. We try uh, a, a lot of other things. We, uh, we, we blame our tempers, or we blame our boss, or our job, or our spouse, or, or a million different things. And we try to, to patch our lives, but we don't need a book. Uh, uh, we don't need uh, an argument. We don't need a class on how to do things better. We need a brand new engine. We need a brand new way uh, of living life. It's no, it's no uh, uh, coincidence that self-help books are usually the number one uh, bestsellers in bookstores because deep down inside, we all acknowledge that there's something wrong with us. And we turn to so many different things to fix it, to try to patch the holes. But brothers and sisters, Jesus came to rescue you completely. You don't need some engine filler. You need a brand new engine, and so do I. 
So Jesus came to, to rescue us. And there's one more reason that Jesus uh, came to earth for us. And in, in everything I'm saying, none of these things, I don't think, uh, none of this stuff is like, wow, I've never heard that before. But I, but I challenge us to take a look at our lives. Are we living in, in, in this real, in the light of these things? Have these truths actually taken a hold of our heart? Or are they words that we just hear? The last reason is that Jesus came to redeem us. It says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, when someone is redeemed, they are given worth, they're given value. And to boil it down to why Jesus came, he came to give us redemption and forgiveness. Paul says in Romans 5, 7 through 8, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Uh, yeah, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For those who put our trust in him, he completely redeems and forgives us. He gives us a fresh start. He gives us a brand new clean slate. Now, I, this whole week I've been trying to think of different ways that I could explain redemption uh, in the, the, the light of Advent, uh, in, the, in the light of a time where it may feel like God is... Uh, quiet or silent in our lives. And I thought back to a story I read uh, a couple years ago. Uh, it's about a young couple that just got married, and like a lot of young couples, they were experiencing problems. And the wife was overworked, and she had too much stuff going on, and they had a child. And one day, she writes a letter to her husband and just leaves. She says, I need some space. I got to go. So she leaves. The husband calls her and calls her and calls her and tells her how much he loves her, how much he cares for her, and day after day after day after day, texts, calls. And finally, about a week before Christmas, uh, he hires a private investigator to go out and find where she is. And the private investigator finds her and, and gives the husband a call and says, hey, do you want me to go over there? He says, no, I'm going to go over there myself. So there the wife is in a, in a hotel in Vegas, sitting on a dirty motel bed. And uh, she hears a knock at the door. And she goes to the door, looks out the window, and sees her husband standing there. She slides back the lock, falls into his arms, crying, and he just simply says to her, babe, come home. Now, all of the calls and the texts went ignored. And finally, she packs up her bag and goes home with them. And when they got home, he says, I called you over and over and over again, and you didn't come. And she turns to him and she says, all of, you know, you've called, you've texted, but I knew you loved me because you actually came. I knew you loved me because you came to get me. Now, here's the beauty of Advent, brothers and sisters, that what God has, has given us is not a lesson. What God has given us is not a, a really good argument on moral, or morality or on ethics or on salvation or on justice. God doesn't give us words. The beauty of Advent is that God gives us a person, God gives us himself, and how we uh, wrestle with God in, in times where we feel like God is silent, how we work in times where we feel discouraged, how we trust in God when we feel like God is not answering our prayers, brothers and sisters, Advent is a time where we can stop and pause and know that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment, uh, he is the, the promise that God will be with us, that God will be for us, not just for now, but forever. And even when we can't see what's going on, we can trust that God is with us and that God is for us. Now, some of us may 
doubt God's existence in our lives or the country when you see all the suffering in the world. But again, long periods of silence are natural and normal for the people of faith. The ancient Israelites suffered through 400 years of, of silence before they got from the promise to the, uh, to, the, to the fulfillment of that promise. And brothers and sisters, God is not going to treat us any differently. There will be periods in our lives where we feel like God is silent, but what you do in that silence, what you do in that, uh, in that period of waiting, what you do in the dark moments when you feel like God is not with you is going to depend and rest completely on what you are expecting. See, last week I went to uh, Dinosaur Barbecue with a friend, and the entire day I was looking forward to the ribs and the chicken and the brisket. The brisket there is amazing, uh, by the way. And the entire day, I reoriented my life around what I was going to do that night. See, I didn't want to waste any precious stomach space with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, right, I'm about to get ribs in here. My stomach was like, nah, bro, just wait. Now, how we wait on God, if we truly believe that God is the one that qualifies us, that rescues us, that redeems us, that God will be with us, you know what's going to happen? We're going to wait a little differently. We're going to reorient our lives around a truth around a proclamation that God is coming and we can have faith and hope and trust even in the dark time. A lot of us have difficulty trusting in God when, uh, when life is dark and brothers and sisters, we are not alone. God is with us. God is coming to restore all things, but in the meantime, we need to wait with hope. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I'm humbled, I'm, I'm honored, and I'm burdened by all the craziness that's going on just in our country, in our city, and certainly in my life personally, and in all the lives of the people on the sound of my voice. And God, uh, I admit that when it's, uh, when it's dark, God, when, when things feel like uh, they're not clicking on all cylinders, when, uh, God, I feel like you've been inattentive or uncooperative or late, God, it's, it's hard to wait with hope. It's hard to wait with expectation. But God, give us an assurance that you are God with us. Give us an assurance that you are coming to restore all things. God, give us an assurance that you are trustworthy. And God, I, I pray, I don't, I don't know the needs of all my brothers and sisters here, but God, I pray that you would meet our needs. God, I pray that you would answer our, our, our prayers, that you would, God, deliver and show us a path to justice, that you would answer our questions. But God, in the meantime, we're going to look to Jesus. We're going to look to Jesus as an answer guaranteeing our, 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 our faith in you that you are a God that will come down and be with us, and that you are with us. And in you, God, we will put our trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.